Hey folks, I'm Christopher Burris from the Ether Game Brain Trust. You know, when I started working on this podcast, I wanted to do something that we don't get to do on Ether Game, which is to ask why questions about classical music. On Ether Game, we ask our players lots of who did what where stuff, but not so often the whys or the hows. So I thought this week we'd listen to a piece of music, one that we've played on Ether Game many times. And ask the question: Why is this music good? Why has this piece stayed popular for decades? Today on EtherCast, the ponderous strains of Debussy's Claire de Lune. Recently, I was at a concert of American Songbook songs with the Indianapolis Pops Orchestra, and for their instrumental interlude, the orchestra played Claire de Lune. And at the time, it seemed perfectly natural. But later, I thought to myself, that's an interesting choice that it would be considered acceptable to go from what's essentially a kind of pop music to Claire de Lune. It's a piece of music that, since it was written in 1890, has transcended the bounds of classical music. Almost everyone who listens to Claire de Lune finds something to like about it. Why is that? Because Debussy certainly intended to set Claire de Lune within the canon of classical music. It's actually the second to last movement of his Suite Bergamasque, which includes much more traditional movements. Like a minuet, a passepied, and a prelude. At the same time, Debussy was a reformer. He hated the heaviness of the music that composers before him were producing, and he wanted to distill classical music back to its fundamentals. He thought music should focus more on mood and on the essence of an idea, be a little less specific overall, and that's where I think the key to the likability of this piece is. It doesn't really sound like traditional classical music, but if you wanted it to be classical music, you could still find a theoretical backbone, or you can just listen and be calmed by the music. Either types of listening bring you to the same conclusion: a sense of floating and peace, moonlight reflected on a pool of still water.
Debussy famously said, quote, I should like to see the creation of a kind of music free from themes and motives. And he goes on to criticize the classical forms used by Bach, Mozart, and Beethoven. Instead, he wanted to find what he called a more universal and essential psychic conception. In Claire de Lune, he shows how good he is at controlling the most fundamental characteristic of instrumental music, and that's listener expectation. He does this in a couple different ways, and don't worry, we're not going to get too technical here. You can hear the first way within the first couple seconds of the piece. You've probably heard a major scale before, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. A scale has a beginning and an end, do to do. And those six pitches in between are all eventually trying to get back to do, that first note. Every piece of music is, in its most basic form, a scale. You start at do, and eventually you get back there. And that signals the end of the piece. Well, Claire de Lune doesn't start on do. It shows up, eventually, a couple of notes in, but only as part of a chord. It's almost more ornamental. In fact, for most of the entire piece of music, Debussy doesn't let the piece focus on the root note of the scale. Not until the final moments of the piece is it strongly indicated, and so that expectation of finding the root note of the scale is drawn out over the entire piece, leaving us with a sense of floating, of night air drifting slowly through space. You can also hear that this piece is ambiguous with its rhythm or pulse. You can't really snap your fingers along to the music. This is also a way that Debussy keeps the listener engaged because you don't really know what's coming next. You stay glued to the music so that you can find out. Finally, and this is one of my favorite parts, listen to this moment. I love all those moments where Debussy lets the notes resonate and fade. It's like they float out into the silence and slowly fall away. He's playing with listener expectations again. Your ear hears those notes fading into silence, and you're expecting, reaching for something to come next. And it could be anything. That's very exciting. So Debussy kicks the musical conventions of Beethoven to the curb. Instead of music with long chains of chord progressions and taking a theme and repeating it over and over in different formations, it's about the various ways you can control listener expectations. And because the piece became so popular, it became a reset button for Debussy's contemporaries. Others could get away from traditional musical conventions and start being more creative, more risky in their own compositions. Because of this, Claire de Lune is considered one of the masterpieces that pushes the style of classical music from the Romantic era to the modern era.
We're listening to the famous orchestration of Claire de Lune by Leopold Stokowski, who famously conducted the Philadelphia Orchestra in Disney's Fantasia. The version he orchestrated was for a Claire de Lune animation that was cut from the film, but still survives. I'll include it for you to watch at wfiu.org slash ethergame. Subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts for more curiosities of classical music, and join me and host Mark Chilla for Ether Game, the music trivia quiz, Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock on WFIU. For the Ether Game Brain Trust, I'm Christopher Burris. Thanks for listening.